Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com, IWork, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks so much for tuning into I Work For Him live on the radio right here in Tampa Bay, online at letstalkfaith.com, iHeartRadio, and Red Nation Rising. Today, some questions for you. What if God decides to put you in the spotlight? Are you ready? Is your face solid enough to handle the attacks, the pressure to compromise? Is your spouse on board? Are you surrounded with people who encourage you to remain faithful to Jesus, even though you reach the top of the ladder? Every day, there are people around the nation and around the world who are being challenged by being put in a spot where they can give God glory with the talents that they've been given, with the gifts that they've been given. But in the spotlight, there's a lot of pressure and in that pressure where do you where do you reside where do you rest where do you take peace at that's the big key and i think it's really important for us to hear it from a professional today we have on us a professional who wrote this book called faith in the spotlight you may recognize her name her name is megan alexander she's an author she's a speaker she's a national correspondent for inside edition and she's a special correspondent for cbs's thursday night football megan alexander welcome to i work for him hey guys thanks for having me well thank you for the privilege of taking some time out of your very busy schedule we know you travel a lot and martha and i are excited for you just to share your story and so we're going to jump right into it because i know we got limited time because you got deadlines all over the place so megan you're a light in a dark place and people people know who you are because i'm not a big football guy but that's because i grew up in minnesota and that's a whole other story But, but <laughs> if you really want to talk football, there's pain there. There's just pain and suffering. <laughs> As Christ followers, we're called to be that light. Why do you think the Lord called you to be in the entertainment, news, sports, broadcasting business? Well, guys, you know, whether we like it or not, entertainment and media is incredibly influential. Mm-hmm. Um, it tells us what to buy, what to wear, what to watch, uh, who to date. I mean, it's absolutely uh, incredibly influential in our lives and in our world today and in culture. And I think there's, you know, a couple different approaches, but my approach is, okay, you can sit around and complain about it, or you can actually get involved. And I've always been interested in uh, creating and writing and have a love of performing um, since I was a little girl. And so I just decided to get into the business. I felt God calling me in that direction. And my approach is, I believe, you know, that, that Christians need to do excellent work and take a seat at the table and be a part of changing culture from within. It's easier said than done, 
But again, if it's such an influential part of our lives, I think there's so many ways that we can use it for the good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's a point where you look around and you say, okay, I need to stop looking to somebody else. It's my turn to get in here and work and do what I can to shine a light. And you mentioned changing culture, impacting culture. We had a guest on the air with us about mm, six, seven weeks ago, and he said, listen, if you can get 3% of people within an organization or within a country to all gather together, you can bring change. And the good news is that you can bring change with an influence of 3% plus people, but the bad news is you can bring change with an influence of 3% plus people. (laughs) And that's scary. And Megan, Martha, and I both we had to we had to fight over your book, but we both got to read it from cover to cover. And what was amazing to me was you've got this confidence and this poise and this amazing level of trust in the Lord. How much of that did you gain from your parents? Oh well, first of all, thank you, Jim and Martha, for reading the book. I really appreciate it. It was fabulous. Um, you know, oh, thank you so much. Well, I I tell you what, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home in Seattle, Washington, um, with two parents that loved the Lord, and faith was a big part of our lives. I attended a Christian school, K, through my senior year of high school, and then went on to a Christian college, Westmont College. Um, I had parents that were very very practical. They wanted me to get involved in all different activities growing up and um, just, you know, try to be the best well-rounded kid I could be, if you will. I mean, they didn't push me in one direction. I got involved in sports. You know, I believe, you know, sports and competition is really healthy and teaches us so much about life and teamwork and winning and losing. Um, But I, I think in junior high, you know, my parents took us to church But I very much claimed my faith for myself in about junior high when you sort of realize, okay, am I going to really believe what, you know, sort of grown up always knowing, am I going to claim Jesus, you know, as my my own personal Savior? So I'm really thankful for that. Um, Again, faith was a part of our life, but my parents let me breathe and um, got me involved in, you know, a variety of settings. And, and, and people of all different backgrounds and faiths were involved in our lives as friends, which I think is really important. I mean, that's very much the, world, the real world and what life is like. So uh, that foundation was established, but yet the sky was the limit, and they didn't want me to be fearful um, of, you know, of, of going for it and trying something new. And I, I think that's really important, and that definitely set the, the tone for me um, with, you know, going into a, a world like media. I also will say, though, guys, when I told them I wanted to be a, a news reporter and work in this industry, they literally said, good luck. We know no one in the business. You're on your own, but we think you can do it. So I tell people, my my parents didn't help me one bit in the sense of making a phone call or knowing anybody. My dad worked in finance. My mom was a school teacher and then stayed at home with my sister and I. So they, 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 they said, we're your biggest cheerleaders, but you're going to have to do this one yourself. But that's great because, um, you know, every, every job, every step meant so much to me. And if God wants you somewhere, he makes it happen. You just, yes, indeed. And, and you just made so many good statements about parenting that I'm sure you're trying to then incorporate into your home life as well. Your parents have set a great example in that. So that's wonderful. So you, as Jim said, we both read your book and loved it. And I know that there, there's kind of a lot of aspects to it because a woman who is in the media and entertainment world can glean so much from your experience. But as someone who has been in the business world, been in um, a lot of different roles, I gained a lot from it too, because you really are a cheerleader for women and saying, you know, your your dreams, you can go after them and still not compromise your faith. And I think that that, for me, was the biggest theme throughout the book. So if you could tell our listeners a little bit about what led you to actually 
put all of that onto paper and share that with the world? Sure. Well, um, gosh, it was about four or five years ago now. Um, I'm in New York City. My husband and I are attending a wonderful church called Morning Star, which is in sort of uh, Midtown West Manhattan. Mm-hmm. The pastor of the church is the chaplain for the Jets. Great guy, uh, Pastor Adam Burt. And a couple of different pastors uh, of that church we got to know. And I got a phone call one day from uh, one of the pastor's wives, and she said, I'm good friends with a lady who runs a Christian magazine. They want to do an issue on sex, dating, marriage, and they want to put someone on the cover that waited until their wedding night to be mm-hmm. with their husband. And they said, we can't find anybody <laughs> in the entertainment industry that, that's, a, that's a Christian and believes in that. But she knew my story um, just through conversation, and she said, I don't know if you'd want to go public with this, Megan, but I thought of you. Mm. And that was sort of the moment a couple years ago where, um, you know, I shared in the book that I was real focused on work. I believe, you know, actions speak louder than words. We should develop relationships. Again, take that seat at the table as believers and then let your faith play out in conversations, in real life moments and, you know, building relationships. Uh, definitely been small moments for me, not one big moment. But my husband and I talked about it, and we said, you know, nobody's really talking about abstinence anymore. I know how important those role models were for me growing up. I distinctly remember conversations I had with people that I could look up to and think of when I was dating. So my husband and I said, okay, if not us, who? If it encourages one person, it's worth it. So we wrote this article for a Christian magazine, which then led to Inside Edition uh, wanting to cover the story as well for our show, which absolutely blew me away. I I never thought in a million years my boss would want to put a story of abstinence on a syndicated news magazine show. But he did. And then from there led to the idea to write the book, which truly is a motivational guide for young people who are navigating this world. Simply from conversations when that magazine article came out. People said, we want to know more. <laughs> All right, I don't want to gloss over what you said. I, I, you, you talk about the fact that you went nationally public, you and your husband, to talk about the fact that you guys waited to have sex until you got married, which, you know, seems like such a, you know, it seems normal to people like you and I and Martha, but to the world that said, what are you, crazy? And I would... I really want to talk today about your faith and how it impacts your workplace. But if ever you had the time again, we would love to dedicate a whole show to talking about that subject and how much positive feedback and interesting feedback you got because you came forward with that. It's part of the story that really brought you out in the spotlight, but it was a it was a major step in your faith. Oh, absolutely. And I'd love to. Um, it's opened up all kinds of conversations for me, guys. I mean, I have had you know, back hallway conversations at major television networks where young people have pulled me aside and said, hey, thank you so much for sharing. I'm waiting, too. Mm. It's so cool that I'm not the only one. Um, And so, yeah, I, you know, again, I just, I looked around and I just don't see anybody talking about it anymore, but I want people to know it's still an option. It worked for me. It can work for them. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's the way (laughs) God designed it to be. All right. I want to get back to the faith and work component because I I know we only have you for a little bit today. You mentioned your dad's workplace example many times in the book. I mean, you, you just act like you're very close to your dad as you write. It just seemed like dad is a very important person in your life. And you means that you had like a firsthand example of a godly example for you and your husband that you're now, hey, here's how dad did it. So now Brian and I, we've got an example for our kids. How much did dad's workplace example 
influence your workplace behavior today? It very much influenced me, and that's a great question. Um, my dad is very much a quiet leader. He, uh, again, actions speak louder than words. Um, when he has something to say, it's always pretty profound because he's a great listener and is slow to slow to speak, quick to listen. Um, so he set that example for me. And he, as I mentioned, he works in finance, um, worked for Merrill Lynch, Bank of America for many, many years, and really treated his job as a ministry to help people, uh, whether it's saving money to pay for college for their kids, you know, figuring out their, their life plan. He treated it as his gift back to the Lord. And suddenly when you look at life that way, uh, you know, and suddenly ministry can be any job and any career, well, the world really opened up for me. And I appreciate that example so very much. And uh, another important moment for me was a conversation I had with a pastor in high school who I remember sort of apologizing when he asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, oh, I think I want to be a news anchor. I know it's not a pastor. I know it's not a doctor. (laughs) And he said, Megan, every job is a ministry. Every person is a minister. So his words and the example of my father, it really makes you look at the world differently and you go, okay. God, you tell me where you want me to be in this world and what you want me to do. And if we all treat our job as ministry and as God's work, well, wow, incredible things can happen. Yes. Oh, okay, but you've got two kids, and, yes. and, and, and they're, they're little now, but you're famous yeah. now. What example, what workplace example are you setting now that you want them to replicate when they're your age? Well, I don't know about me being famous. That's very nice of you to say, but I would not. Oh, no. When I talk to football fans, you're famous. They know who you are. you got to be kidding me. you got Megan Alexander coming on. Oh, no. You're you're famous. I don't know. No, I don't know. You know, I I hope my my boys see that I'm excited to go to work because of that fact that I believe it is what God calls me to do, Mm -hmm. um, that I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. Again, I'm trying my best to make a difference in an industry that, as we've you know, just talked about is very influential. I want them to find what they believe is God's calling on their life. And, you know, got my five-year-old involved in all the just regular fun activities that kindergartners do. And I just want him to, you know, explore this life and, you know, pray with him every night and have those conversations with him about, okay, you know, what do you think God wants you to do in this world? I mean, I just think that's so important to treat vocation as calling, and hopefully I can be an example. And, you know, I'm proud as a mommy to be the working mommy. Um, and I hope that, you know, they, they look at women as, you know, just as strong as men in that sense. And one day they'll go get a strong, ambitious female as their partner. That is great. And, you know, our prayer is that your kids' generation will know it no other way than to understand that their work is ministry and to not have that divide that so many people have adopted in their mind. And that's why we're on the radio every day, to encourage our listeners to understand that their workplace is their mission field. So one of the things that you talk about in your book that um, as a woman, I really um, appreciate it because we don't hear enough about it, is the fact that you make a a very um, intent decision to make sure that you have some very close friendships, very close connections to keep you accountable. Talk to our listeners about that and why you think that's so important for women in the workplace. Sure. It is not easy to. I mean, I travel Mm -hmm. all the time. I'm not very good at keeping plans because (laughs) sometimes the story breaks or, you know, there's breaking news and I have to just go and fly somewhere. But I have learned to be intentional about about finding a few good friends that can hold me accountable. 
And I'll tell you guys, I haven't often found support from the church. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times for working women, those Bible studies are, you know, Monday morning at 10 a.m., and that just doesn't work for me. So what my girlfriends and I in New York City ended up doing, um, a gal that works for Fox News, somebody else that works for the Hallmark Channel, we found each other through just networking and the business, and we said, okay, we need to start our own Bible study together. And so we started it in one of the girls' apartments, figured out a time that works for us, which was in the evening, and we went through a Beth Moore study and a Priscilla Schreier study together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to be intentional about it. Sure. You've got to make time for it and be creative and be flexible in finding out ways to find that community. One of the other things that you talk about, Megan, is your role as a wife and as a mom. And the fact that, you know, what you do for a living is very challenging to keep that all um, in priority. How do you do that with all of the projects that you take on? Well, I'm still figuring it out, Martha. (laughs) I don't have it all figured out. I do think that For those of us that feel called to work, Mm -hmm. um, I do think we need to get with God and say, okay, Lord, I'm checking in with you. You know, I'm constantly checking in with God. Is this, this is what I'm still supposed to be doing, right? I mean, I'm flying a lot. I'm working. God continues to affirm to me, yes, this is what I want you to do. I think it's important you keep checking in with the Lord. I'm constantly checking in with my husband. How are we doing? You know, I talk Mm -hmm. about it in the book that, um, you know, we are constantly back and forth figuring out schedules, figuring out the kids. It's not easy. There are days when I feel frazzled. Um, I think we need to cut ourselves a break and throw that word balance out the window because for some of us, it's going to be unattainable. It just is. I understand. And uh, we make each other feel guilty. So again, get with the Lord. Stay tight with your spouse. Have friends that are supportive and understand your situation. And uh, again, if you feel this is what God wants you to do, as you both just mentioned, he will always make a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, uh, from the guy's perspective, I'm just curious because there's a lot of people out there listening going, okay, there's, we have a lot of working women listening to the show. And, and I want to hear, how do you and Brian work through these issues? Because you guys have issues on a, a supernatural level, really. I mean, you're, you're dealing with you traveling all over the place. He's busy. You got two little kids and you work in New York City, but you live in Tennessee. So I sure. mean, how do you guys find the time to communicate so that you can work through all that tension? Sure. Well, on a practical level, thank goodness for technology. Um, I have literally FaceTimed with my husband and son, you know, from the field. I was uh, covering the Broncos in Denver, and I'm FaceTiming with my husband to watch my five-year-old start actual football practice, flag football for the first time. So, you know, yes, I've missed some of those moments, but thank goodness for technology. But then I'll also say, you know, guys, it hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. We have had our hard times. Um, we have we jump in and out of marriage counseling, and I we have a wonderful pastor that married us, Michael Crocker, from our Methodist church in San Antonio, and I remember him saying, it's like checking in with a dentist or with the doctor. You have to go in for your regular checkup. He said, I would encourage you to always do that with your marriage. And so one of the best things that we have done is marriage counseling and just checking in with each other and learning to communicate better and get through those hard times when, you know, we don't feel like we're doing as well really important to be honest and to share. We've reached out to friends, asked them to pray for us. Um, I've texted Michael, that pastor that Mm -hmm. married us, and Mm -hmm. said, lift us up in prayer. We're, you know, just going through a rough patch. Um, But we continue to be honest about it, and I'm grateful for the friends that lift us up and and walk this journey with us. Uh, Marriage is not easy, but it is so worth it. And I think surrounding yourself with, you know, iron sharpens iron, as they tell us in Proverbs. 
surrounding yourself with community, friends, uh, that's what gets you through, is the body of Christ. Yes. Uh, okay. And and I love the fact that you brought up the marriage counseling thing because I was going to ask the question anyway. But I, because it, marriage counseling isn't just for couples who are in trouble. You're just saying, hey, it's like going to the dentist. And I love that. And there's so many couples listening, going, yeah, but it's embarrassing to go to a counselor. You're mm-hmm. saying, hey, no, this is feeding us. This is helping us stay healthy. That's what you're saying. Absolutely, it is an opportunity to you know have that one hour where you work through things with a professional that can ask questions that you wouldn't normally ask. Yes. And you're right, guys. I mean, when we when we start going to counseling, there's I think there is a moment where you kind of go, oh, gosh, people are going to think we're having a really hard time or, you know, we're, we're breaking up or whatever. No, power through that, because the more that we opened up to other couples and told them that we were in counseling, you, you know, the funny thing is, is people started saying to me, yeah, us too. We mm. actually have been going to counseling as well, and it's really helping us. So That's power great. through any embarrassment, it is worth it to just talk about it, and you'll be so blessed by it. I've, I've been very grateful for mm-hmm. all the ways that a counselor has caused me to, to think twice about why I do things and learn how to love my husband better. All right, in 30 seconds or less, you fly all over the country for news stories, for football games. How do you keep your head in the word? Oh, gosh. Well, I I admit I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm following Bible verse of the day on Twitter and I get my, you know, daily emails from Daily Word and all these different things. So I want it to just cross my desk or cross my phone. Literally, I need that as reminders. Um, I have a journal that has a verse on every page. So I try to just have it be a part of my routine. My husband reads the Bible every morning, reads a Bible verse in the kitchen to us. Megan just Alexander, try to incorporate it into I hate to interrupt you. Thank you, Megan Alexander, mm-hmm. for being on I Work For Him today and for sharing your faith in the spotlight. God bless you, Megan. Thanks, Megan. Thank you, guys. We're going to continue to talk about this book, but this really was a great book. And if you're a football person and you know who Megan Alexander is, what a great, just be able to put the faith and connect it to the person on the air. How often do you get to look at somebody on TV and go, well, I know all about their faith story. Well, this would be an opportunity where you could have that. And uh, and she really talks about other people that she's walked alongside that have, have a similar story. Oh, I love the fact that she faith. and Ainsley Hayes first connected in Dallas and then are now friends in New York and they both share their faith together. And, and I mean, I just, I just love that. It's, it's I think a, it gives you a, a little peek into, into, into the, the big, that into world the big that leagues. not a lot of us have experienced. Yeah. No, we're, we're or none of us. Well, you know what? I'm not sure I would want to be in a national spotlight because I'd probably say something stupid. <laughs> you know, I'm just grateful that we have people like Megan Alexander who are really careful with what they say every day on the air. Because her dad taught her to hey, listen quick. And- but here's the good news. Off the air, before we let Megan go, I asked her if she and her husband, Brian, would come back on the air on a Together on Tuesdays and I work for him with Jim and Martha as we talk about marriage and relationship issues. And I said, would you be willing to talk about your story and how you and Brian waited to have sex until you got married and would you come on and spend an hour with us talking about and she goes absolutely Mm. so that is something to look forward to in the future martha i'm excited and in that part of the book where she's talking about that um you really get a glimpse into a little bit more about brian and i love that when you read the book martha this is a book written by a, a woman who has really fought the tide i mean good grief she's a special correspondent in the nfl Mm-hmm. Not a place that a lot of women have succeeded being a, 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 and broadcasters and, and correspondents. 
How inspiring was her story that she just stuck to her guns and stuck to her faith and her faith came out? I mean, how how cool was that for you? Because you're a media spotlight person, too. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But you are. At all. But what I what I love about her story and for when people read her book and this really comes clear in all of her writing is the fact that she tried to make decisions about where she was going to um you know, hold to her faith before questions were ever asked of her. So she knew that she wanted to walk with integrity. She wanted to not cover certain things or not appear to be just on the gossip side of things. So she made some decisions up front in her life that she's had to then go to her bosses over the years and say, listen, I'm really not comfortable with that angle or this outfit you want me to wear because she has a dress um you know a code that she wants to stick to as well that's that has integrity i think it was after the oscars or or the grammys or mm-hmm. something that they, they have the people on inside edition wear the dresses some of the dresses that people wore on like the red a look carpet like yeah yeah and and megan was given a dress one time and and she goes yeah i'm not wearing that but instead of saying just i'm not going to wear that she goes but let me i've got this one i could wear right that was a little bit more appropriate she finds a way to do what it is that is her job but in a way that does not compromise her faith and that's but she one of the things i love is that she said i made some of those decisions ahead of time so that when i get into that bind I'm looking for how can I resolve it rather than just saying no or compromising. Well, And that's super important that we all do that ahead Mm -hmm. of time. Think through those situations because all of us will be asked to compromise our integrity, our moral structure at one point in time in our lives or another. And it may be being asked by somebody who doesn't even see it as a compromise. They're just like, well, of course, anybody would want to wear this fancy dress that so-and-so wore last night or, you know, a similar model. Um, Not even thinking about the message that that dress might, you know, show. So well, that, you went right to the dress, and I'm thinking, I well, know. We, we get asked to compromise uh, to, to to fudge a little on our taxes, or or that's no big deal. Just round up, or hey, you know, we're all going to drive like 85 right now to Miami because we're going to get there. Just follow me. You're like, right? No. No, I can't drive 85. All right, so I interrupted you because you went to the That's dress okay. thing, which is what ladies are going, well. Well, but it's just an easy example because, I mean, a lot of us, we all are in different areas in our world. And it may be it may be something as simple as, you know, you're not allowed to bring baked goods into the school that you make at home and you somehow figure out a way to make it happen and you're breaking rules. You know, what are you going to stand true to and say, I? so she really tried to be, um, thinking about that ahead of time so that she, in the moment, when you have to make a decision really quick, you already know that what direction you're going to go. And I we're, just, I think that's encouraging. We're talking today about Megan Alexander and her latest book, or her first book that's out there, Faith in the Spotlight. She joined us for the first half of the show today, but had to go get ready for Inside Edition and get ready and get packed for the Super Bowl. Yes. Uh, and and so we're just kind of doing that recap because what she said in her book, both Martha and I had the opportunity to read this book. And as we do, you know, I highlight, we highlight authors who are talking about how they connected their faith to their workplace and how they, how it just inter, it just interlaced 
together. And Megan did such a great job. She's a millennial. So she's, you know, not our generation. She is absolutely... That was a nice way to say it. She's not our well, generation. She's, young. She's, she's still young. She's got little kids. Uh, but she's being very intentional about living her faith out in the spotlight on Inside Edition in an NFL broadcast. And she's doing other movie projects and things like that. We didn't even get a chance to talk to her about those. Right. I think that one of the things that she said that was really important to hear was the fact that her youth pastor spoke into her and said... Whatever you choose to do in your life that you feel God is calling you to do, that is your ministry. Because she was feeling apologetic that God wasn't calling her to be in the, you know, like a pastor. And I think that's really key because that was, she really considered that in all that she's doing. And she heard that at home as well. But I think that's the message we're trying to get out on the airwaves. Every day. And to explain to people that what they do matters and that it is their ministry. And she really does do a great job of that. And mm-hmm. to recognize that she is a minister in her workplace. And she's she's in some rough and tumble places. I mean, the NFL is not exactly, you know, Candyland. No. Or, or Fairytale Land. No. Or any of those things. Or any of those. So, that's right. Yeah. In fact, most people, when you when they think about a woman being in that world, they they figure they you know probably don't know everything about football. But I know Megan does. She talked about the fact that you know she was a football fan. And, but and she has she, to study. Yeah. I mean, she anybody, crams but, before. But a game. here's the thing: Don't you think that the guys have to study too? They just don't admit it. I don't know. There's some freakish guys out there no, that just I, know a lot of no, statistics. They have to. Of but, course, they'd, they'd have to study, Martha. There's so many statistics yeah. those guys throw out to, in the color times. But, hey. but you know, even getting that job, that hearing her testimony and talking about how God has led in different directions and opportunities that he's given her to be in the line of work that she's in um, is just an encouragement too, because it, it's really continuing the conversation. And if you don't mind, I'll jump in yeah, real quick. Please. One thing no, that I thought of, as you guys were talking about that, I think probably one thing she really had to work hard at is even if she got to be a sideline reporter for the NFL, the, the, the view is among fans, whether it's fair or not, is that if it's a women reporter, they're just there to look at, and they're eye just candy. there. Yeah, right. they're eye yep. candy, and they're there to just report on a few things. They don't really know football. And so she probably had to overcome oh, yeah. that that stigma, that stereotype, um, even if she was like, man, I do know about football. I've watched it. I know what's going on. And there's people that are just, oh, no, you're just a sideline reporter. So I mean, she probably had to work really hard to, to get through that. And, and I she, would guess every time that she's – covering it she's having to overcome that because right. it, there's different people around you and different stigmas that people have and, and but she talks about that how she's mm-hmm. like i don't want to be looked at as somebody that just got a token job because i'm pretty right you know, she had to study and she she shows herself i mean she gets respected and when she goes to she's recognized in well she mentioned in one of the news conferences at the super bowl that they called on her because they knew that she would actually have a a, a question that had validity and worth asking, and, yeah, worth asking yeah. because she really is studied up on her subject. Yeah. And I, and that just shows that level of excellence that we talk about as part of the I work for him nation, no matter what you do, do it with excellence so that you can bring glory to your heavenly father. I mean, if people are going to go, why are you so good at what you do? Mm-hmm. And you're like, Hey, you know, I'm a Christ follower. It impacts everything I do. I, when I, when I do excellent work, it makes my father happy. Yeah, I, I just think that's that's really really cool. So, can we talk a little bit about the format of the book? I would I would like our listeners. That was kind of a rhetorical question, wasn't it? Jim? What if I said no? 
you're kind of saying no to well, everybody. Well, you asked a question. So, and you, and okay, you asked so a let's question. talk about. Okay. You're right. Because the format of the book. It was incredible. I love it. You did love it. Um, first of all, at the beginning through. of every chapter, whatever her topic was, she found somebody that ha- could relate to that topic and speak to it out of their own testimony and wrote a one page testimonial right, at, the beginning, at the beginning of every chapter, which kind of just validated what she was saying. And then she talks at the It's kind of funny. The, it does say introduction. I kept thinking those were at the end of the chapter because oh. it was sorry because it was little or print i bet yeah you were thinking now i see up in the small print says introduction yeah okay so i love that part about it because you really get to know more of the people that she's rubbing shoulders with that you know of and you hear get to hear a little bit more about their heart also the fact that throughout this book she has peppered it with scripture and i love it and it's very applicable it's not like she just went to um you know the bible app online or something and looked up a verse and plugged it in there i think that these these verses really mean something to her and they really mean something to the listener because i gained from them new perspective about how they could be applied in my life she really did a great job of of living her faith through everything. And it was very honest. I mean, she shared about the excitement of being in the spotlight. She mm-hmm. shared about the excitement of being able to do the interviews at the red carpet at these big right. events. She shared the excitement about being involved in the Super Bowl and and you know, and how she does so much prep work and, and she shared how she had to work really grungy jobs in order to get there, but she was inspired. She had an opportunity to sit in a news anchor's desk in junior high, I believe it was. There's right. a picture of it in the book and she mm-hmm. talked about it. And when she sat in that chair, she goes, oh, I can do this. <laughs> this is something I want to do. And and yet even 20 years ago, to think that, hey, I'm going to be a, an NFL correspondent, not a chance. 20 years ago, they weren't even, there was not a woman involved in the NFL in 20 years ago. Not a chance. So it's incredible. But what I love is that she keeps going back to, hey, but my faith kept me grounded. Hey, but I kept people in my life that would keep me grounded. Hey, I'm constantly reminded that, you know, I'm in a privileged position and God's got me here. I got, why does God have me here? And she keeps asking herself that question. And when I come back, I want to talk about, she, she talks about the value of mentors in her life yeah, and those accountability people that you asked her about. And, and that's something that, you know, we often talk about that and I work for him because it is so key. Everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs Barnabas and everybody needs a Timothy in their life. Those are good points. And, and what that means is everybody needs somebody mentoring them, somebody encouraging them, and somebody that they're mentoring, because that's how the body of Christ grows and thrives. And that's how Megan describes her walk. She's had mentors. Right. She's got encouragers that she meets with regularly, and she's mentoring, and she's leading up other young ladies who want to get into this. Right. And it was just, it was just really fun. It was... It was like living on the sidelines of the football of NFL and an inside edition, kind of living it while you're reading it. it it's kind of like being there. She made it real. She made it real. And it was an easy, easy read. And she wrote this book, Faith in the Spotlight. And she was with us the first half of the hour, first half of the hour today. And Martha and I are kind of doing a recap. Megan can only give us a half an hour today because she's getting ready to go to the Super Bowl and getting ready to get all this other work done. And and but we're so privileged to have her on the air with us today. This book, Martha, what I loved about it, again, she was just real. So it's just one of those real stories, Mm -hmm. which I really, really, really liked. I I love it when people are just transparent and they just share from their heart. And that's what she did. And it was well, well written, easy to read, lots of great stories, really some pretty cool stories. Pictures Pictures in the middle, color pictures. You don't often get those color pictures. Uh, But what I, I loved is that she kept talking about the impact 
of mentors in her life and account- mm-hmm. accountability people. She, as a famous person, a person involved in Hollywood, even though she's involved in the news side of Hollywood, but she's involved in the Hollywood world, right? the TV world, she knows how much pressure she, she there is out there. Yes. And so she has surrounded herself with solid people that will keep her on track. Yeah. And I think that that's why I asked the question, just how to, you know, to talk about why she thinks that's so important. And like she said, it is hard. It's hard for anybody to do that. But especially if you're traveling for your job and she's in multiple cities and, you know, if she gets a call, she's going to miss whatever she had scheduled if she has to go somewhere. But she still makes it work because she knows the priority that it is in her life. And I think that's just an encouragement for all of us to look at it and say, you know, do I have somebody around me that's speaking truth into me? Um, real truth, scriptural truth, and then am I am I doing that with other people as well? And they got to be people that can keep up with you. I mean, because literally, Megan Alexander, she's all over the place. I mean, to keep dragging her, I mean, she lives in, well, right near Nashville, I think is what mm-hmm. she said, and she works out of New York City, and she's back and forth, and then she flies to football games all over the place, and, you know, she's busy. So she has to have friends that are willing to chase her down because well, she works I- some funky hours, too. That's probably part of it, too, is for many of us, it will be finding somebody who is in a similar field so they understand the pressures that you're feeling and also similar types of, of schedule, you know, craziness, whatever that might be. Yeah, it is. It was fun just to hear from her heart how she and Brian worked through the struggles mm-hmm. uh, because there, I mean, theirs is a normal marriage with a lot of pressures and they get two little kids. They both have careers. And she travels all the time. Well, really, she's traveling Monday through Wednesday now, and then for Thursday night football, for eight weeks, she's traveling in the Super Bowl. But they had to work. They have to work through not just logistics, but how do we make our marriage strong? How do we keep our marriage strong? Right. And and again, speaking to that is the fact that they've decided to make that a priority, to make their marriage a priority and to make sure that they're staying on track with that and doing things to make it stronger. And they're willing to say, hey, you know what, for us, that means sometimes we go to counseling and we get the help that we need so that we don't end up, you know, as as. She, I don't want to put words in, her, as words in her mouth, but, you know, as strangers or whatever, which could very easily happen if you are live in a busy life which we all live in different ways but they're but they're being intentional and they're saying this matters to us and so we're going to make it a priority and we're going to let people around us know that it's a priority and that really opens up the conversation for that with other people as well as she shared and they stood out so much with their testimony of how they they waited to have sex until they got married Mm -hmm. how great is it that they could just say hey and we're still working on that marriage today Yeah. Well, in that part of the book, that's what I was alluding to earlier when um, her husband talked about the fact that they said, you know, we know that God is going to use us. We don't know how. And when they had the opportunity to share their story first in an article, um, you know, she wanted his permission and they needed to work through that together. And he said, this is what God's this is part of our testimony. Let let God use it. And that's what he's doing. And that's just so neat to see because it's just genuine and real. And it will be a huge encouragement for lots of young stars coming up yep. and really an encouragement for lots of, it's, it's witness. It's, it's like saying, why well, don't drink? Well, why don't you drink? Well, I just, it's not necessary in my faith to drink. It, it, it would impact me in a negative way. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to talk about, Hey, here's what Jesus has done in my life. Here's the impact that he's made. So I don't need to do those things, whether it's drinking or whether it's not having sex before you get married. I mean, those things that God said, Hey, it's perfect. 
wait till you get married. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that she agreed to come back on and talk about that with she and Brian. That'll be great. It will be good. You know, it's come to the end of another show, baby. I know. It goes so fast. It does. But this was fun. You had fun on this show today. We did, and I hope with no, the You list. had fun on this show today. Oh, yes, I did, honey. I could tell. You actually, you know, you were... I loved it, and I hope that our listeners gain a lot from it. And for anybody that's interested to, to call to get a copy of the book or go get it. Go read it for yourself. Faith in the Spotlight by Megan Alexander. Yeah. That was a great one. Or email us, jim and I work for him.com. we got another copy left. You know, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, just keep in mind the words that Megan said. Hey, I, I knew I was given a spotlight. I wanted to live my faith large, and I was really prayerful about it. And she's working at it every day. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.